Welcome, everyone, to this Pentecost Sunday. It is a delight to have you with us. Um, I'm Shane again, if you just were arriving a little bit later today. And uh, if you are visiting with us, it is a delight to have you here. Now, I want to catch up some of our visitors who might be with us where we are. We're kind of in the uh, a sermon series that we've been doing for the last four weeks. This is the next to the last sermon in this series, and we're calling it Off the Grid. And by what I mean by that is that I've been trying to get us to think about all of the like the lifestyle habits, practices that the Bible, especially the New Testament, summons us, God's people, to incorporate into our lives. And if we do these things, we're going to look like we're living off the grid, by which I mean we're going to look weird, we're going to look odd, we're going to look perpendicular to everything else. It's just going to be kind of crazy from a mainstream perspective. Uh, Now, we've talked about a few things. If you are visiting with us today or if you've missed some of these sermons, you can go to our website. You can find them online. We've considered things like simplicity and community and friendship with the poor. Last week, we talked about keeping the Sabbath day. That's kind of an odd practice in this very busy world of ours. So here it is. It's Pentecost. And I was thinking back in the day, I was like, all right, so it's Pentecost, the Holy Spirit. What, What can I... What can we talk about, right? What, what would be off the grid about being in the Spirit? And so I thought about it and thought about it, and I thought about the Spirit in the book of Acts, and I think, I think I got an idea. I think I have an idea. But before I tell you what the idea is, I'm going to share with you yet another story from the book of Acts, and maybe you can guess what the theme will be. I'm going to ask you to stand as you are able as we listen to this story of what the Spirit did, not just at Pentecost here what the Spirit did later. I'm going to be reading from Acts chapter 10. You will find the words here behind you on the screens. Listen to this. In Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of the Italian cohort, as it was called. One afternoon at about 3 o'clock, he had a vision in which he clearly saw an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius, your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa, For a certain Simon, who is called Peter. Now, this is Peter the disciple. He is lodging with Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. When the angel who spoke to him had left, Cornelius called two of his slaves and a devout soldier from the ranks of those who served him. And after telling them everything, he sent them to Joppa. Now, about noon the next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, they're going to see Peter. Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat, and while it was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw the heaven opened, and something like a large sheet coming down, being lowered to the ground by its four corners. And in it were all kinds of four-footed creatures and reptiles and birds of the air. And then he heard a voice saying, get up, Peter, kill and eat. 
But Peter said, by no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is profane or unclean. The voice said to him again a second time, what God has made clean, you must not call, what? Profane. And while Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit, here's the Spirit, the Spirit said to him, look, three men are searching for you. Now get up, go down, go with them without hesitation, for I have sent them. So the next day he got up, he went with them, and some of the believers from Joppa accompanied him. And the following day they came to Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them, and he had called together his relatives and close friends. And as Peter talked with him, he went in and found that many had assembled. And Peter said to them, You yourselves know that it is unlawful for a Jew to associate, to associate with or to visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone profane or unclean. And while Peter was still speaking, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who heard the word. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Anybody guess what I'm talking about today? All right. Here's the next lifestyle, off-the-grid way of doing things, and it is simply this. Based on Pentecost, on the theme that we see what the Spirit is doing in Peter's life, is that the Spirit calls us to a lifestyle of hospitality. Isn't that exciting? Now, I don't mean the easy kind of hospitality. You know, where you set a nice table at your house and you invite people over that you already know. And then you entertain them for a couple of hours and you say, get out. I'm not talking about that kind of hospitality. I am, I'm talking today, I'm going to be talking today about a spirit-filled posture. Okay, a spirit-filled lifestyle where you and I as God's people remain open and unafraid. That's key. Unafraid to welcome people into our lives who aren't like us. I'm going to tell you this, if you do this, you're going to really be living off the grid, especially in our culture now of what, identity politics? And it's all about everybody's identity. It's all about, you know, the culture wars, a war of all against all. But this is what the Spirit does in the book of Acts. I mean, how many of you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit all the time. And if we want that, my message today is if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, that means, <laughs> here's your warning you're going to be disrupted by difference. But this is what the Spirit does, especially in the book of Acts, as we already saw it happen to Peter. Sometimes I think we're a little fuzzy on what the purpose of the Holy Spirit is in our lives. Like, what is the Spirit for? You know, some people think that the Holy Spirit exists for you to feel all tingly inside. You know, you're worshiping, and all of a sudden, ooh, I feel tingly. Uh, isn't there a song by, is it Blue Suede? Um, is it from the 70s, like, we're hooked on a feeling? Is that what it is? Hooked on a feeling. What's the next sentence? Uh, high on believing, right? We think the Spirit is to get us hooked on a feeling. You know, when we're high on believing. Okay, I'm not knocking it. You know, but we think of it as a, an emotional experience almost alone. But if you study the book of Acts, and here I'm here to tell you as your pastor what's going on. As soon as the Spirit fell upon the disciples, it wasn't an emotional experience. Two things, though, immediately happened to the disciples. The first thing that happened, going back to the first lesson we read at the beginning of the service, is this. They all began to preach. That's the first thing that happened. They all began to verbalize 
their faith. They talked about Jesus. The Spirit came on the disciples. Remember that I told you we're coming back to that? It came upon the disciples like divided what? Tongues. This. Empowering the tongues of the disciples to talk about Jesus. So in the book of Acts, to be filled with the Holy Spirit means you're going to talk about Jesus. You are going to share your faith with others. That's what the Spirit does. It's kind of an interesting reflection question. I won't spend a lot of time on it, but simply this. When was the last time you shared your faith with someone else? Not in a Bible study, but when was the last time you actually expressed your faith that you believed in Christ and why? That's a sign of the Spirit at work in you. Okay, that's the first thing that happened. It wasn't a tingly feeling. So they preached. The second thing that happened to the disciples when the Spirit filled them up is that the Holy Spirit started sending the disciples into encounters with people they would have never thought to welcome otherwise. That's what happens. I mean, think about it. On the day of Pentecost, when the Spirit came, which language did the Spirit speak? Everybody's language. Okay, so there's no longer an official language in the kingdom of God. And that's radical because what that means is that God, the Spirit of God, can actually be found in the other who doesn't speak your language. Okay, and so from that moment on, you find the Spirit actually at work sending the disciples into the presence of people like Ethiopians. Oh, wow. Or Samaritans, they were despised, and Romans. And over and over again, we see the Holy Spirit showing the followers of Jesus that God's hospitality is a lot wider than theirs. Whom God wants to welcome, the net is much wider than they thought. The story that I just read to you is like the climax. I love this story. All right, you got Peter the disciple, and uh, he is summoned by heaven to go and spend some time eating and fellowshipping with a guy named Cornelius who was not Jewish. He was a Gentile. Any Gentiles in here? Anybody non-Jewish? Only, oh, oh, really? The rest of you are Jewish? Okay. All right. So, uh, so what happens is that uh, Peter receives this vision to go be with this non-Jew. Now, this flips Peter out. If you read the next chapter that we couldn't read, it flipped the early church out, sent him into an absolute panic, a non-Jew. And so Peter receives this vision, and in this vision he sees this sheet. I wish I had a sheet to kind of fold down. And on this sheet were what we would kind of call non-kosher food. Right? Remember, Peter's Jewish. So all this non-kosher food, the food the pagans eat, you know, disgusting food like bacon and uh, lobster and uh, venison, ooh, unclean food. And then this vision says to Peter, the Spirit says, Peter, eat. And what did Peter say? Uh-uh. No, 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 no. The Bible says I'm not supposed to do that. I'm not supposed to associate with unclean things like that. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. The Bible says. And then God, through the Spirit, speaks to Peter. And it's those beautiful words. Peter What God has made clean, you must not call what? Profane. I like the King James Version better on this. It says, what God has made clean, you should not call unclean. It's a good kind of 
juxtaposition there. So what happens? Peter, it says the Spirit comes, directs Peter to, uh, to Caesarea. He visits the home of Cornelius. They presumably talk together. They fellowship together. Presumably they eat together. And then it says that the same Spirit that fell upon Peter and the rest of the disciples on the day of Pentecost fell upon Cornelius, a non-Jew. <laughs> and Peter in that moment realized that God's welcome is bigger than our welcome. This God is determined to have a family bigger than they thought it was going to be. And, and Peter is flipped out by this. You know, Some call this story the conversion of Cornelius. But couldn't you also say it's also the conversion of Peter? See, Peter, before this moment, divided the world. There were insiders and outsiders. There were Jews and non-Jews. And yet the Spirit in this moment opened his eyes to realize that in the name of Jesus, those categories, Peter, they don't apply in the kingdom of Jesus. I mean, couldn't you say that Peter in that moment was converted? I can imagine Peter at first saying to himself, okay, I'll go visit this non-Jew Cornelius, but eventually he's going to become like me. Because in those days, they thought only Jews could follow Jesus. You you could follow him, but you had to become Jewish. But yet what happened is, is that... Peter, Peter thought the Holy Spirit sent him to convert someone else. Yet the Spirit actually sent someone to change and convert Peter. Reversed. You know, I was thinking this week, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Isn't that true? Here we are. We are the Spirit people in the church. And to this very day, we are still grappling with who can receive the Spirit of God and who can't? Who's, who's in and who's out? I mean, despite what happened at Pentecost, we think that God only speaks my language. You want to get close to my God, you, you're going to have to speak my language. Tribalism. It's alive and well, isn't it? Got little totem poles everywhere. This is who we are. This is who we are. It's all over our country, isn't it? And you can't even turn on the TV. It's getting kind of toxic out there. I mean, we're kind of becoming like uh, the world of real Americans, fake Americans, real news, fake news. And it's, 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 it's infiltra- this is infiltrating the church. All right now we got the true Christians, false Christians. And, and this is actually what it looks like to stifle the Holy Spirit. This is, this is what it looks like to resist the Holy Spirit. And what I've noticed is that what we're, what we're turning into in our country, it's, it's happening in our church, is that we're starting to care more and more about being loyal to our ideology than we are about being good. We care more about being right than we do about just being good and merciful and holy. And I'm going to tell you this. If you're going to live off the grid with Jesus, if you're going to be really different in this culture, it means you've got to let go of your totem pole. We've got to let this go. It means we're going to let Jesus be our identity, not, not anything else. Let me think about this. Let me just ask this to you. If the Holy Spirit came to you like it came to Peter and said, whatever your name is, do not call unclean what I have made clean, who would be in your category right now of unclean and clean? Who, who would be in those categories in your own mind? I mean, how would this, this change you? I, uh, I read a delightful little book by a, a Christian, 
And she talked about in this book how when she first became a believer later in life, she said, I was so non-judgmental. I mean, I just love the Lord. And she says, but over a period of time, she said, I started developing these little camps in my mind of right Christian and wrong Christian. And she said, well, in my mind, the right Christian was the one who interpreted the, the Bible the way I do. Or uh, who read liberation theology like I do, who would never vote for that candidate, uh, who would do things all the way I do. And so the wrong Christian, in her mind, was anybody who challenged her assumption or who listened to talk radio stations that were unlike hers or did not believe in social justice issues. And this was what was in her mind, right Christian and wrong Christian. Of course, she was the right Christian. And she said she was in prayer one day and it came to her, wait a minute, wait a minute. Um, I think I'm going to go to heaven with wrong Christians. I'm going to be spending eternity with wrong Christians. I can't get rid of these people. It's not like I'm going to make them go away. And then she says, well, maybe I'm actually the wrong Christian for thinking the world is divided into right Christian and wrong Christian. And so what she ends up doing the rest of her book, she talks about how she intentionally reached out to people who were not like her in any way and how it changed her life. And one of the things she said that you and I, all of us in, this, in here together do this. She says, everybody succumbs to what she called the gold star standard way of thinking. My standard is the gold star standard. In other words, my way of thinking is the only way to think things in the world. I am gold star. And then gold star people, she said, think this way. They think, well, you know, I'm open to people, you know, but they just need to come like, become like me. If they just became like me and thought like, like I do, then we could be in friendship together. And she says, that's not hospitality. That's narcissism. That's saying, I'll be nice to you for, for a couple of days, but eventually you need to reflect my image. You need to do this over and over again. The gold star standard, and this is reinforced into us all the time that we are the gold star people. You can just go to your social media website, whatever that is, what I'm calling the anti-social media page there's a friend of mine who posted something last week on his Facebook page, and it was just a different opinion. Man, he just got pummeled. You've seen this before. It's antisocial. It's not social media so much. But we can go to our Facebook page, and there's this feed when you, when you, when you log in. I don't have a page, but my wife does, and I'll sometimes visit this. And, and, and it'll track, like, all the uh, websites you have visited, and it'll show you articles that already confirm what you already believed. This happens all the time. I got a, a news feed on my smartphone. This is the second week in a row I've held this thing up. So I got an Android phone, and I got a news feed here, and it tracks the websites that I've been to, and all the articles that it shows me in the news are all the articles that confirm my biases, reinforcing my sense of rightness in the world because I have the gold standard. I'm gold standard. Everybody should think like me, read the Bible like me, sing the same hymns I do. The reason I bring this up is because Peter in this lesson, you know what he thought himself of? He was gold star. He had the gold star standard way of thinking. He was Jesus' right-hand man. If anybody, if anybody had to say, I'm right, <laughs> surely it was Peter. I mean, Peter's world, until the Spirit showed up, was a world of clean, unclean, sacred, profane, insider, outsider and then what happened in that story the holy spirit sent him into the presence of a man cornelius whose humanity and whose experience of god 
converted Peter more than Peter converted him. That's what happened. Someone once said this, that if we become hospitable people and we, and we welcome strangers into our lives, that the stranger will help us locate our favorite lies. I've had people come into my life who were not like me at all, and I realized, dang, I'm, I'm kind of judgmental. Uh, I've been holding on to beliefs that kind of aren't true in these assumptions and that's what happens when you open yourself up. And I think that's what was happening to Peter. Jesus, of course, did this, did he not? Over and over again. Jesus was all about trying to get people together. If you go and study the Gospels of Jesus, man, what, what does Jesus do over and over again? He, like, brings liberal theologians, like what we would call liberal theologians, into encounters with what we would call conservative theologians. He did this. He would, like, mingle with rich Christians and poor Christians. He would, he would mingle in uh, with uh, pro-government people, and he would also bring and have conversations with anti-government people. Jesus, Jesus healed both non-Jews and Jews, did he not? I mean, for Jesus, there was not this world of clean and unclean people. They were just people made in the image of God. This was still a challenge for the disciples. I mean, Jesus knew. Here I go again. I've said this so many times. Jesus would have realized the, like the number one commandment that you find in the Old Testament, which would have been Jesus' Bible. What commandment appears more than any other com- commandment in the Old Testament? Anybody know? I've said this numerous times. Oh, good. You don't remember. I can tell you again. <laughs> Love the stranger. 36 times in the Torah it says, love the stranger. The commandment to love your neighbor, how many times does that appear? Twice. See, Jesus was all about trying to get people to love those who were different from them. This is what God's about. And you know, the, the beauty of this story and I'm almost done. But the beauty of this story, it's like here you got Peter and here you got Cornelius and, 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 and it's so simple what the Spirit asked them to do. Only thing that they had to do was eat together. That's all they had to do was eat together. And I was thinking about this. Like, what, what if it would today, if you and I were all, you know, ensconced in our little camps of right Christian and wrong Christian, because we're the gold standard, what if we ate together? Like, not just in here, like out there. Like, what, what would it look like if, like, conservative Christians invited a progressive Christian family over to their house for dinner? That sounds nuts, doesn't it? I mean, what would it look like if rich Christians ate with poor Christians? What if straight Christians ate with gay Christians? What if members of the moral majority invited people of reconciling ministries over to their house for dinner. Here's one. (laughs) What if it was written in our Constitution that Democrats in Congress had to eat with Republicans in Congress? (laughs) I'm dumb enough to believe that something could happen. There's something that happens at the table that can change us. Can't you see why Jesus wanted us to kind of eat together? Here's my point from my sermon today, and I think... I had to write this down. I got to share it with you. Here's what Peter learned. 
Peter learned that the main question for us is not to whom is the Spirit sending me to convert. The main question may be who is the Spirit sending to convert me. I'll read that again because I like it. The main question is not to whom is the Holy Spirit sending me to convert. Sometimes we think we're the ones. We're going and we're going to change people. But really, who is the Spirit sending to convert me? See, Peter was, by the Holy Spirit, directed to the house of Cornelius, and Cornelius changed him. That's what the Spirit does. And are you open to that? Are you open to people who are different from you? Are you a blocker? Because if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you've got to kind of step back and let down your defenses. Peter took a huge risk. He took a huge risk, didn't he? He, uh, he knew what the Bible said. Jews aren't supposed to have anything to do with non-Jews. But at the Spirit's urging, Peter goes. And he eats with a man that he at first thought had no business being in the family of God. Like, no way. And then he realized that God's welcome was so much bigger than his. And you think about us right now. Anybody Jewish in here? Nope. Now you think about this. Here you and I are. We're the non-Jews here in the story. We're the Gentile, unclean people. And yet because of one man's radical hospitality, here we are. He didn't block the Spirit. And you and I are now part of the family of God, of God because of the Spirit and Peter's yielding to what the Spirit wanted him to do. So often in life, we think God sends us to change people. He can. But if you keep your eye out, he will send others into your life to change you. And it'll happen at the table. I'd like you to stand with me as we just say a few words of blessing over this meal. You know, one of the great things that we believe here in the Methodist Church is that everybody's invited to the table. We believe in the Methodist church that no one's unclean or clean. We just believe there's just people who need the Spirit. So you are welcome here. And if you and I can eat together despite what we agree or disagree on, there is hope, folks. There is a future for us. Let us be different. Let us call no one profane. Because now we don't know anymore who's clean and who's not. So Holy Spirit, as you descended upon the disciples at Pentecost and as you sent them out to encounter people who rock their world, that your family was bigger than they can comprehend, so pour out your Spirit on us gathered here and all these gifts of bread and wine and make them be for us now the body and blood of Christ that we might be for the world the body of Christ. And by your Spirit, make us hospitable people. Help us not to be afraid of others in a world that says we must be afraid so that we will be one in your name, one in ministry to all the world, and we will be different and live off the grid. Through your Holy Spirit and your Holy Church, all honor and glory are yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Harrison Church. To stay connected to Harrison Happenings, please follow us on Facebook or Twitter at Harrison UMC or online at harrisonchurch.org.